listening to the house of mercy on the water's edge was a man who met the savior so the gospel said waiting there he was with the lepers and the lame till an angel it was told down from heaven came folks tuned in from all around near and far just to listen to house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir we're just listening to the house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir. The ground is still moving. The shifting has not stopped. It's a stretching rubber band slowdown, just about to lurch forward. Thank every one of you for coming. It is just just such a pleasure to be back here and to see your faces. So thank yeah. you for being here on this hot summer day. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Do you have enough? I don't. I really don't. I just know. <laughs> I was like, I was just sorry. I was lost in thinking about all your faces and how good it is to see them all. Yeah. Hey, good to see you all too. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to be back. And we're so thankful. Mike Schultz has been subbing in on bass for the last uh, three times we've been here. So thank you so much, Mike. And, uh, and we got the kid with us as well, which is great. Excellent. So thanks, Henry. And next week, who do you have? You're going to be gone. Yeah. So, so it's going to be it's going to be a um, singing adventure for the next five Sundays. All right. Uh, next week we'll have Luke Jacobs and Kerry Rodriguez filling in. That'll be great. Lovely. Yeah. And then John Reichel, who's working on sound tonight, is going to be filling in, and then we'll have Jeff Zupper. Excellent. A couple of his kids, and then John is going to do a couple other Sundays in August as well. So great. All right. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Thank All right. you. This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. God of mercy, remind us about the love that sustains us and the compassion you have for all of us short-sighted, broken, confused, and beautiful humans. And help us be especially attentive to the love and the mercy and the compassion as we are gathered here and now, together in body and soul. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. And pass whatever kind of peace feels safe to you. Please join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number 11, Lonesome Valley.
Jesus walked that lonesome valley. He had to walk it by himself. Oh, nobody else could walk it for him. He had to walk it by himself. We must walk that lonesome valley. prayers of community. I'll end each prayer petition with God in your mercy, and I invite you to respond here our prayer. Let's pray. God of mercy, help us have compassion on the crowds that are like sheep without a shepherd, or like sheep with a narcissistic shepherd, self-serving purveyor of lies. Help us grow in compassion like yours so that we might cross some divides so that we can be merciful in love in ways that can heal. And is it possible to keep us from war, brutality, violence, and hate? We humans are so easily led, quick to follow, fashion, fascists, fear mongers, and the unwise, make us courageous and discerning. And if we need a shepherd, may it be you, in all your compassion, with all your mercy. God, in your mercy. God, in mercy, we have had a hard year on this earth. Help us as we learn to emerge from pandemic isolation. May our interactions be more meaningful, our friendships not taken for granted. Help us savor the delights of reemergence. And we pray, knowing that you don't really generally perform magic, that the virus will not mutate so that we all have to go back in again. We pray for the medical workers who are overburdened by the resurgence here and in the places where vaccinations are hard to come by. We pray for Africa, Indonesia, India, Brazil. We pray for those suffering from COVID. We pray for healing from the emotional, spiritual, and physical ravages of the virus. God, in your mercy, God of mercy, we pray that every nation, governing body, multinational corporation, the fuel industry will take the steps necessary to reduce carbon emissions, that we might have some chance to curtail some of the further destruction we are bound to face. I don't know that you can do anything about this, but we need some help here. God, in your mercy, 
God of mercy, we pray for Henry Burkus Friesen, that he will be well. We pray for John Carney's heart and health, that he will be well. And we pray for every one of us that needs healing. We pray that you will cover us with mercy, gather us up in love. We pray that we will be filled with loving kindness, that we will, will be free from inner and outer harm, that we will be well in body and mind, that we will be at ease and happy. God, in your mercy, we have not loved you, often forget to even think about you. We have not loved our neighbors. We've often not even liked them at all. We have left important things undone, and we've done harm to people and the planet. Here are confessions and our prayers as we pause for silence. You love us more than we can imagine, and you forgive us all of our sin. Thank you. Amen. The Gospel reading for tonight is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 34. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. The word of the Lord. Margaret Parker was an anthropologist and a poet, and as a result, was in every practical way a theologian and a political activist. In her 1920 essay, published in the Times under the heading, Liminality Precludes a Return to Normalcy, Parker wrote, If one spends any time studying humanity and is given to looking at the world with the tilted head or slighted eye study of the artist, one cannot help but feel the compassion of the creator and act with the passion of the revelator. Her essay, was in response to Warren G. Harding's 1920 presidential campaign slogan, A Return to Normality. Coming out of the First World War, in which 18 million soldiers and civilians were killed, and the Spanish flu pandemic reportedly infected 500 million and killed as many as 100 million, Harding's 
promise was to restore the United States' pre-war mentality without the thought of war tainting the minds of the American people. He said, America's present need is not heroics, but healing, not nostrums, but normalcy, not revolution, but restoration, not agitation, but adjustment, not surgery, but serenity, not the dramatic, but the dispassionate, not experiment, but equipoise, not submergence in internationality, but sustainment in triumphant nationality. He won with 60% of the popular vote. Margaret Parker was a student of Arnold van Gennep, the Dutch-German ethnographer and folklorist who developed the concept of liminality. Where van Gennep primarily applied liminality to individual rites of passage, Margaret Parker brought the concept to a larger cultural concept, believing that there were major events that brought whole societies to the threshold of undeniable transformation. Liminality, just to refresh the particulars of the concept, liminality as Van Gepp articulated it, is taken from the Latin word lemon, meaning a threshold. And, and it's the quality of ambiguity or disorientation that occurs in the middle stage of a rite of passage when participants no longer hold their pre-ritual status but have not yet begun the transition to the status they will hold when the rite is complete. During a rite's liminal stage, participants stand at a threshold between their previous way of structuring their identity, time, or community and a new way which completing the rite establishes. Margaret Parker took Van Gennep's concept of liminality and broadened it to describe the political and cultural change as well as rites of passage. During liminal periods of all kinds, social hierarchies may be reversed or temporarily dissolved. Continuity of traditions may become uncertain and future outcomes, once taken for granted, may be thrown into doubt. The dissolution of order during liminality creates a fluid, malleable situation that enables new institutions and customs to become established. Parker believed that the World War and the Spanish flu pandemic were such events that they had brought the uh, European and North American countries to that threshold, to that liminal space. And in 1920, Warren G. Harding, with his promise of a return to normalcy, was not only in denial, but leading the nation to a place that was distorted, damaged, and a perverted version of America's potentials and possibilities, Parker believed. This is a strange little bit of scripture here today. There's a couple verses. Um, and it's, it's like, it's something that happened after this big deal before it and comes right before this big deal that's going to happen later, but we didn't get none of that. Um, which is the, the, the apostles gather around, they returned, 
and gathered around Jesus and told him everything they'd done and taught. Now, to back up to figure out what that's talking about, at the beginning of this chapter, Jesus sends out the twelve, two by two. Uh, he gives them authority over the unclean spirits. He orders them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money, nothing, wear only sandals, only one tunic, which, you know, it's kind of hard to go with only the one when you're used to two, and, uh, and to go out and preach and heal. And uh, yeah, so they go out, they do this two by two, they cast out many demons, they, you know, they're living just... Uh, this is, this is incredible. They are, they are finally doing out there, going and doing what, what Jesus had called them to do. He's entrusting them. So, da da da, a lot of things happen. John the Baptist gets his head cut off, and that, a, lot of, a lot of stuff happens. And then we come to the text here. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And I think they're pretty. Uh, I think they're pretty excited to tell him about it. I think they're pretty proud of what they've, they've done. And, and he says to them, well, you know, come away to a deserted place, you know, all by yourselves, and we'll rest a while. For many people were there, the text says, coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. They couldn't even eat. And so they get in a boat, and they go away to this deserted place, because they came back and they told Jesus all about it, and uh, they were waiting for the, like, good job, and he says, let's just go find some place alone, relax, and they're figuring, you know, maybe then we can eat because they don't have time. So they get in the boat and they go to this place. And when they show up, everybody had seen Jesus and the apostles get in there and recognize him. And they ran ahead. So when they get to this deserted place, it's not deserted anymore. And Jesus sees all the people there when he gets out of the boat. And he has compassion on them. And he begins to teach them. He begins to teach them, and the disciples are like, I thought we were going to, what about, we're going to have something to eat? You know, you're going to you know, say good job, or it's just going to be us. But Jesus forgets about that when he sees the people and begins to teach them. They're hungry. They didn't get to eat yet. They didn't even get a chance to eat, and now they're back what they've been doing forever. They're sitting with all the crowd and Jesus is teaching them. They're a little disappointed, I think. And that's kind of the end of it. That's kind of the end of the passage. And um, for some reason, the lectionaries who put this all together, they're holding the miracle back to us because this goes on. This is like the beginning of the feeding of the 5,000. Which, again, the disciples, like, they're hungry. They say to Jesus, look, we're out here in the middle of nowhere where we we're supposed to be relaxing, but we're out here in the middle of nowhere and all these people, they send them back into town so they can get something to eat. Because I think they're really thinking, you know, when you have those guests and you don't want to invite them to eat and you're hungry, so you're just like trying to get them to leave. But Jesus says, no, you feed them. They just, this little bit, they show up. There's going to be a miracle. We don't get to hear about it. The disciples don't get to, uh, you know, 
decompress, go over all they've done with Jesus. Didn't even get some cheese or crackers, nothing. It's the end of the text. In this essay, in her essay, Liminality Precludes Return to Normalcy, Parker pleaded with Harding and other political, business, and religious leaders to accept that a return to normalcy was in no way possible after the catastrophic events of the previous six years. She argued that not only was it not possible to return to the United States pre-war mentality, without the thoughts of war and a pandemic tainting the minds of the American people, as Harding put it, but that it was not desirable. Parker wrote that it was precisely the pre-war mentality that had led to the Great War and created the conditions of the pandemic, and that, having passed through those events as a whole created people of God, that we all now had the opportunity to move forward through the threshold into this liminal space, embracing it as a gift from the Creator with an openness to understanding how those events, the fear, the anxiety, the tremendous loss of life, and political, cultural upheaval had affected society on every level, economic, humanitarian, spiritual. Margaret Parker believed that it was a very real possibility that humanity could pass through that liminal time as an evolved people who used the resources of the country to benefit every citizen, not just a few, a people whose practices were guided by love and mercy in every institution from the White House to Wall Street, schools, and communities of faith. Denying or failing to accept that change, that change was inevitable, and insist on a return to normalcy as a possibility she thought was a dark and dangerous path. We cannot unknow what we have seen, what we have been through. We may try to convince our minds that it is possible to return to a place in the past before we lost that touted normalcy, she wrote, but our bodies won't forget. It is stored in our muscles, our marrow, our gait, our composure. Our souls cannot forget. They have been marked and cannot be unmarked. There is no going back. There is no return. There is only always forward, marked, and having been so marked, set on a course of transition, change. And what that will look like, we cannot know unless we pass through it. The way is always forward, not back. There is no back to the way things were. That doesn't exist. Trying to go back just perverts the moving forward. So it lurches forward and bends or goes crosswise, damaged or damaging, hungry for something that will never taste the same. We must give ourselves humbly, confessionally, gratefully to the limitality. We must pass through. There's nothing to return to.
God's table and all are welcome. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, gave thanks for it, and broke it. And gave it to the disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave the cup for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me. Central's never busy, always on the line. service free for one and all when you get in trouble give this royal line a call telephone to glory oh what a joy divine i can feel the current moving on the line built by god the father for his love to know we may talk to charges telephone is free it was built for service just for you and me there will be no waiting on this royal line telephone the glory always answers just in time If your line is grounded and connection true has been lost with Jesus, I'll tell you what You've been listening to the House of Mercy podcast. You can experience all this live every Sunday at 5. Check houseofmercy.org for all the details. House of Mercy is a church in St. Paul. You should come. It's not that bad.